Good evening, folks. Welcome to Electric Jellyfish Podcast, where everybody has a voice. This is a very, very special, kind of difficult uh, episode of uh, Electric Jellyfish Podcast. And, and normally I've got uh, my beautiful wife, Shannon, here with me. But given the subject matter, uh, she didn't really feel like it was... Uh, in her comfort zone because <laughs> she's not as uh, familiar with it as as I am or as my two amazing guests are this evening. I am so happy and so proud to be joined by two friends of mine that are about as passionate about tonight's subject as I am, if, if, if not more so. I don't know. I mean, I know everybody's fandom runs pretty deep uh, for... Uh, the absolutely amazing prince that we lost five years ago today. Uh, so it makes this makes this particular episode kind of timely. Uh, uh, we rarely have something geared towards a specific date, but I couldn't let this day go by without, you know, doing something or saying something uh, special for a man whose music I absolutely treasure and always have and always will. But I'm joined by uh, my dear friend, uh, Mono Norman, go ahead and, and say what's up. Hey, what's going on, everyone? And the always effervescent and incredibly engaging Jasmine Dudley. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for being here, you guys. Uh, I knew that, I, like I said, I knew I wanted to do something like this. And when I reached out to you two guys, you're like, hells yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I know I, there was a little bit of hesitation at first because I know, Jazz, you've got many irons in the fire and uh mono i know you had class tonight but uh we're kind of burning the the midnight oil well you're not having to burn it as late as we are jazz because you're two hours behind us (laughs) you're you're one of the lucky ones but um yeah um uh i i know i know what this day means to many many people but i know in particularly what it means to us um five years ago when I got that phone call, because uh, I had no idea what had happened, um, and the, the ironic thing was, <clears throat> uh, I've uh, at the time I was doing a podcast that had a lot of wrestling involvement with it, and I had stayed up late the night before because news had just come down that the wrestler China had died, mm-hmm. and when I woke up to my phone buzzing. And I'd seen that I had had like several dozen missed phone calls and uh, text messages and my Facebook inbox was blowing up. I was like, geez, how many people want to call me and let me know about China for the love of God? I mean, yeah, I know we cover wrestling, but geez. And as I'm picking up the phone to, to start scrolling through everything before I got a chance to read anything, it's ringing again. And it's a, a friend of mine apologizing, saying, uh, offering his condolences saying 
dude, I just wanted to call him and let you know how sorry I am. You know, I, I know how you must feel right now. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Because I'm like, I'm, I don't get that upset over China, for God's sakes. And he's like, yeah, I've just, I just I just wanted to let you know that, you know, that, I, that you were on my mind. I was thinking about you. I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? And then he stopped because he just, he just had that, oh, crap moment. Like, he doesn't know. Mm. And I am now the guy that's got to tell him this. And I, you could probably, pretty much anybody that knows me knows what Prince means to me, what Prince always has meant to me. And I remember being told several times in my youth, I don't want to be anywhere near you when he goes. And I sure as hell don't want to be the one to break the news to you. Well, here this poor guy is in that very position. And he and I, along with another friend of ours, were actually going to attend a um, a performance of Wicked that was playing at the Dallas Fair Park Music Hall that very night. So initially I'm thinking that's what he was calling was to just, you know, you know, organize that. And he had to be the one to tell me this. And he said, and he couldn't bring himself to do it. He just said, dude, just turn it on CNN. I can't, I can't say it. I just can't say the words. Just turn it on CNN. And I'm like, all right, mm-hmm. man. And and my wife at the time was still asleep in bed because we were, we were at a hotel at the time. And I turned it on CNN and there's Wolf Blitzer. Big old headline across the bottom of the screen. Prince dead at the age of 58. And I was just like, I just stood there. And yeah. I, and I just like, I got to let you go. And I just, I just dropped the phone and I just reached back and I just started, you know, slapping the bed to wake her up. And I'm just like, and she woke up, she's like, what's going on? And I just pointed at the TV, still unable to talk, just stunned to silence and just fell flat on my, on my butt and just started sobbing. Rough, yeah, to say the least. I mean, and it had been a really rough couple of weeks. I just had to sell the family home. I just had to have my dog put down, <laughs> and then this. Yeah, I was like, how was... how much worse can twenty sixteen yeah. get after? Because at this point, we'd already lost a couple. <laughs> we'd already lost Bowie. We'd already lost Glenn Fry. I think, but yeah, this n- nothing was going to top that for me. I think twenty sixteen was definitely the year of like the that was. You know, we thought 2020 was bad. That was like the worst. That was one of the other worst years yeah. because of a lot of those instances and what was happening. Um, and, you know, I remember exactly where I was that day, too. I was at work. Um, and we have TVs at work that you can like, you know, they always have the news playing and everything. And I just remember looking up at the headline just in shock, mm-hmm. like. I didn't know what to say. Um, and I had to go to the bathroom to uh, just process it because I didn't want to cry at my desk, you know? Yeah. Because I don't think a lot of, especially the people I worked with at the time, I don't really think they quite understood, like, how impactful that day was. Right. You know, for a lot of them, it was just like, oh, you know, oh, another iconic celebrity is dead, but... You know, for me and also a lot of black colleagues um, at the time, that was a very sad day. Right. Um, yeah, just Prince was always someone to me that was an ethereal being, you know. Um, I just remember the first time really like 
getting to know Prince as an artist, my mom was a huge fan, well, still is, is a huge fan of Prince. And I grew up hearing him in the house, watching him perform. And he became sort of an internet meme for for my generation, too, because he was, you know, he's the Prince of Shade, a diva, you know, like, <laughs> it, and also a queer icon, even though he never disclosed his sexuality. It was like, for someone like me, that was impactful for me because I was still very much, you know, like a teenager and, you know, developing into a teenager and then an adult, like exploring, like, how I felt about like myself and what I identified as and my sexuality. And I think especially watching Prince as a black man being so comfortable in his self-expression and even just hearing the lyrics, like, you know, I'm, I'm not a woman. I'm not a man. I'm not a woman. I'm something you will never understand. You know, like right. that was uh-huh. like, that was impactful for me because at the time, can you imagine like, you know, when being queer, especially in, in that age, was, like, not really accepted and people were very homophobic. And for Prince to just be out there, like, in outlandish costumes, like, very in tune with himself, very comfortable with himself and still, like, swooping up all the ladies and all the men and perfectly, like, comfortable in himself. And that was admirable to me. Right. Um and so I don't think people realize like how much impact he's had because I don't, if, if I didn't see someone like him, I don't think that personally I would ever like feel okay with myself. Right. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like he was the one person for me that was saying like, especially in a culture where thing, you know, men are very like, hyper masculine you're told like not to cry don't get emotional things like that like for him to just be like completely okay and in, in in that expression of himself as a black man that was that was just unheard of and so impactful because i think a lot of uh youth like me needed to see that um and he broke a lot of those stereotypes right and yeah, I just, we really lost someone special. How about you, Mono? What, what, how, I mean, what, what was the, can you, can you relive that moment? Man. So I can, I was working at the County at that time. Um, and it's crazy because I would just subconsciously talk about Prince, you know, I would, you know, everybody would always try to, you know, reference Michael as the greatest. And, you know, granted, Michael is was such an amazing talent as well. But Prince always just I'm like, no, Prince was Prince was on a different level. This was a this was a musician. Like this he is like he does you know, he dances, he does all this, but you know, that was always my argument. Mu- musically, he is probably one of the greatest talents of all time, if mm-hmm. not the greatest. I agree. I agree and 100%. I, I just remember, I just remember, um, I was sitting at my desk and, um, somebody yelled out and was like, Oh Lord, somebody, somebody don't tell Mono. And I was like, don't tell Mono what? And it was like, Oh, you ain't got the news yet. Oh God. And I was like, what are y'all talking about? 
So, because they didn't, they didn't think it was that serious. You know, it was just another black icon, like you know, Jasmine said that had just passed away. And so I was like, "What are y'all talking about?" So I look at my phone and CNN. Uh, it was a report of uh, someone found dead at Paisley Park, and I was like, "Okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm hopeful. I'm like, you know, it's probably a maid or something who's, you know, whatever." I'm like, "But Prince is fine." So then, like, 30 minutes later, they came out and it was like the person that was found at Paisley Park was uh, identified as, you know, Prince Rogers Nelson. And I was like, so what are they saying? Like, that was my question. I was like, what are y'all saying? Like, is he dead? Is he at the hospital? Like, do I need to go to, like, do I need to fly out, like, right now? I mean, what's what's up? And so it came across, it was like, yeah, he, you know, he's dead. And then my sister texted me and I just dropped my phone mm-hmm. and I dropped my head and I, I cried at my desk, you know? And so, yeah, Prince was so iconic to me. And the reason is, is because, you know, it's, it's very taboo to call a man beautiful, but he mm-hmm. was the first man that I looked at and was like, man, this dude is, he's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not gay. I'm not bi. I love women, but Prince is beautiful. You know, he is, that is a beautiful man. And I just remember, you know, Jamie Foxx going back and saying, don't look at him in his eyes. And I was like, yeah, you're right, Jamie. Don't Don't look in the eyes, please. But, you know, and, you know, I I came on to Prince a lot later than uh, most people because, you know, I was born in 88. So Prince oh, had put out, I forget, yeah, I forget yeah, how Prince young had you put guys out are. what eight or nine albums before then, you know, <laughs> since that time. Yeah. So, but what was what 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 got me is I was a Batman fan. So same. My first, my first introduction to him was Party Man on you yes. know the Batman album. You know, I'm looking at the Joker going through Jack Nicholson's dancing in this museum, destroying this museum, and I'm like, yo, this. The song he is playing is like amazing. I look, who is this? <laughs> and then we go to the end of the movie, you know, Scandalous is playing. And I'm asking my sister, like, who is this? Who is this? This I love this song. And, you know, lo and behold, she told me it was Prince. And then I just went down the rabbit hole. And when I went down the rabbit hole, I, I came to find out this dude is is amazing. Like his musicianship is second to none. Unparalleled. Like I don't yeah, I I don't know anyone who can play a guitar better than him. You know, you, you may say like an Ernie Isley or a Jimi Hendrix who, you know, are at that same tier, but Prince was different. I mean, he made love in his music, mm-hmm. you know, and it was, it, it was amazing. And, you know, yeah, just that day, I'll never forget it. And I was, I'm, I'm trying to choke back tears just talking about it now, but yeah, it was, it was a very, horrible day for me that day mm-hmm. that week if you ask me yeah i remember when i first discovered him i mean i was i was fortunate enough to be born early enough to where i was there at the beginning of his career but i wasn't aware of his career because i was too young to absorb it uh you know i was born in 69 and he his his first album drops in 78 and it really didn't get a lot of airplay and white bread Dallas back in the day. Um, Cause it was a very milk toast market on, on FM radio. There just wasn't a lot of, of uh, urban music airplay. It, it just, mm-hmm. it just wasn't a thing yet. Uh, 
Um, so, you know, when you grow up in a, in a decade where all you're getting on the radio is Neil Sedaka and Captain and Tennille and Tony Orlando and Dawn, you know, you're just like, God, please, somebody make me <laughs> open up a market where, where everything I hear isn't complete trash, please. Um, and, you know, and of course, you know, you get disco sprinkled in there and he's obviously very heavily uh, played at discotheques at that time with the music he was putting out in 78 and 79 with For You and Prince. You know, Soft and Wet was just made for a, a, a disco dance floor as was um, I Want to Be Your Lover and Sexy Dancer. And of course, that's where most people first discovered him was I Want to Be Your Lover in 79. Right. And, and I remember my sister had the 45 and I may get a, a couple of question marks from some over over the heads of some people that was like, what the hell's a 45? Don't make me come through this radio and smack you. Um, <laughs> but she she had the single of, of I Want to Be Your Lover, and I was w- strolling past her room, and I heard that song coming out of her room. I'm like, who is that? And she said, oh, it's Prince. I'm like, that's that's a guy? <laughs> so my young punk ass didn't know any better. You know, sound more like, of course, I had to do the obvious stupid kid thing of sounds like princess to me. <laughs> Little did I know that five years later, when when Dove's Cry started blasting out over every radio station, it didn't matter mm-hmm. what the format was for the most part. It, that song was getting airplay. And I was absolutely amazed by that song because I'd never heard anything like that before. Nobody had. Let's face it. Nobody had ever heard anything like When Doves Cry when it came out. Yeah. And the first time you heard it, I'm sure both of you, you were just like, God, how how did that song ever even get made? Much less make mm-hmm. get popular because it was so quirky. But then yeah. followed immediately by Let's Go Crazy. And the video for Let's Go Crazy was basically the trailer for Purple Rain. Right. So when Dove's Cry kind of was like your gateway drug, it was your first hit. It was your first drag on the joint that became your Prince fandom. Yeah. And then my sister in her infinite wisdom, and I'm sure she regrets it to this day, <laughs> decides to take me to the General Cinema Townie 6 in Mesquite to go see Purple Rain right after it opens in July of 84. At this time, I'm so deeply entrenched into the Michael Jackson thriller camp, it's pathetic. So she's wanting to get me to change my musical taste a little bit and mature a little bit. So she takes me to see Purple Rain. It was over. It was all over. I I am a Mm full-blown, baptized in in Lake Minnetonka water, Mm-hmm. Prince fanatic at this point. That's it's all it took was just to see Purple Rain for, for the for the first time. And I remember when we left the theater, she went to a friend's house to go pick up a I think she was trying to get a band together herself at the time and she was picking up a guitar. I think it was a bass. And I'm in the I'm in her old ratty ass green pin, Ford Pinto with my boombox on and Erotic mm-hmm. City comes on K104. I'd never heard it. I owned it, but never heard it. All I'd listened to was Let's Go Crazy. I never thought to flip the damn thing over and play the B-side. And they're playing it on K-104. This is back when you could play songs like that on the, on the radio and not get bleeped or torn or, or torned off. You know, they were playing the full version of it. I mean, every F-bomb in that song, you heard it. And I didn't even realize it was him. 
and I and I actually had a cassette in the in the boombox and I recorded it and I played it back for her when she came out. She says, "What the hell is that?" I said, "I'm pretty sure it's Prince." And of course, mm-hmm. we we get home and flip over the beast, you know, flip over the single for "Let's Go for Let's Go Crazy," and there it is. She's like, "My God, we had this song the whole time, and we we still hadn't heard <laughs> 17 Days' yet at this point." Oh wow! Yeah, these this, this was back in the day when the B side was sometimes just as good, if not better, than the A side. Right, mm-hmm. because Prince could just do that. Like for the the legend I always heard was that he he went and record wrote and recorded "Erotic City" after watching George Clinton and Parliament Funkadelic play a gig at First Avenue. That he wanted to make a song just like something that they were doing. And mm-hmm. the next night, he shows up to the DJ at First Avenue. Said, "Here, put this on. See what the people think." And it was "Erotic City." I'll I'll give you one guess as to what the people thought. There we are. <laughs> they lost their ever living mind. Right. So he his music was such a formative part of who I was in high school. I was a a a, a recluse, an introvert. I had I had difficulty looking people in the eye. Uh, I was a choir dork, a, a theater nerd. Uh, uh, I, I did nothing but play video games on my Commodore 64 in ninth grade. I was a twerp, an absolute nobody. And listening to Prince and then just taking a deep dive back into his catalog, which wasn't that deep at the time, really. It was you know, just a few albums deep, uh, so it didn't take long to get caught up. I went out and got 1999. I got Dirty Mind. I got Controversy. I got Prince. I got For You, and I just poured everything I had into it and was completely... Uh, blown away by this guy's body of work. Never heard anything mm-hmm. like that. To this day, never have again. And uh, he he had a pretty big, played a pretty huge role in in shaking me into into who I became. Gave me all the confidence I ever thought I would need. Because uh, I th- this this dude had zero game back in the day. I didn't have much still after high school, but <laughs> what little bit I did have, he gave me. Uh, um, <laughs> I definitely feel the same way. Um, I think there was always something that kind of like brought out the me that I didn't know was there mm-hmm. listening to his music. Right. You know? Um, and even just as a performer, like I don't really watch a lot of like live DVDs or anything like that. But I can't even begin to count how many times I've watched Sign of the Times and wished oh, I was at that show. Yeah. Like crazy. The set pieces, everything phenomenal. And I'm just like, dang, why wasn't I born in the right era so I could have went and experienced this concert? Well, and, and the heartbreaking the heartbreaking fact about that is he never toured with that album in this country. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It made me sick. I mean, I mean, I got to that was my first tour was the one right after that. The very first time I saw him live was Love Sexy. Mm. Saw him on the Love Sexy tour, and what what I didn't realize at the time was the final performance on the North American leg of that tour was at Reunion Arena in Dallas in November of eighty eight. Oh wow! I had just graduated high school a few months before, and wound up. Y'all are going to hate me for this. Y'all, y'all are really going to hate. I don't, I don't even think I've told you this. 
we wound up getting like upper balcony seats for this thing. I remember standing in line uh, at Rainbow Ticketmaster, and uh, I, I don't know how the the subject came up at the time. I was talking to somebody in line, and the the Black Album came up in conversation, and I hadn't heard it yet. I hadn't found it yet, and this guy told me where to get it. Have you have y'all ever been to Forever Young Records? Yes. I have not. You have mono? Yes. Okay. At this point, Forever Young wasn't where it is now. It was it was kind of off of 183 in Irving because now it's over in Grand Prairie. Yeah, I was just saying it's close. Yeah. Now, yeah. No, no, it's not closed. I mean, it's not closed now. It's just it's relocated. It's huge. It's a lot bigger than the Forever Young that I went to. Okay. It's okay. massive. It's it's it I it's I, I don't know what it was, but it's the size of a grocery store now. It's it's incredibly huge. Um but uh they had the black album. So I, I got my tickets to the Love Sexy show and then booked ass across town and got a copy of the black album that same day. So I was bound and determined because I knew because he had already been touring Europe with Love Sexy at that point. And I was already getting, you know, reading reports in Rolling Stone of that he was doing black album material on this tour. I'm like, well, I'm not going to be in that crowd and not know what he's doing. So, so, you know, trust belief. I'm going to know the black album by the time he gets to town. And I remember he was, he did like super funky California sexy and Bob George on the love sexy tour. And I was sitting there just kind of going along with the song and the people next to me go, what the hell? How do you know this song? I'm like, and I looked at it with such utter disdain, like, and you call yourself a fan. (laughs) 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 I I straight up print snobbed them and shit. But what kills me is that my sister, she, she wasn't, she felt bad that I, the best tickets I could get were upper balcony. So she managed to upgrade my tickets to lower balcony, like on the first couple of rows at Reunion Arena. I don't know if y'all ever went to a show at Reunion Arena. Um, but when you got to the lower bowl, you were getting pretty close to the stage. And that, that was an in-the-round stage. And oh, wow. about uh, halfway through the first act of that show, have either one of y'all ever seen this show? I have no, not. I haven't. Okay, I need to hook y'all up because I've got it. <laughs> when, when he played in Dortmund, uh, they filmed it and, and broadcast it via satellite around the world. And they sold it in European markets, but it never got sold here. I'm hoping that when when and if they ever do a super deluxe edition of Love Sexy, they will put this show in there. Because it's, I mean, it's professionally shot. It looks fantastic. It looks just as good as the Purple Rain Prince and the Revolution live show that they packed in with the Purple Rain deluxe edition. But um, about halfway through the first act, he he closes act one with Anastasia. Okay. So uh, my sister disappears during the intermission. And I don't know what the hell she's doing, but I'm just absorbing the show. She comes up to me while he's singing, I wish you heaven. Because he, mm-hmm. like Anastasia is the first song he sings off of the Love Sexy album in Act One. Then there's the intermission. Then he comes back and opens with I Know. And normally on the album sequencing, Alphabet Street comes after I Know. But on this tour, after I Know, he plays the title track. He plays Love Sexy. Mm. Okay. So my sister comes back to me uh, about halfway through. Um, I wish you heaven. And she says, I need you to follow me. And I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm freaking out. I'm like, why am I following you? She goes, you'll see. She gets me front row. 
Oh, oh my God. Right by the stage. Now he starts doing during I Wish You Heaven, he starts doing a call and response. This la 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 la, and then he just holds the, the microphone out to the crowd, and we sing it back to him. And it's just this back and forth thing. And on like the second or third pass through, he looks right into my face and holds the microphone out to me. Huh. I I would have. Oh, mom, you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I about lost my ever loving mind. I mean, I locked eyes with my idol. Wow. I, I've never forgotten that moment. And it was a pretty big year because almost the exact same thing happened in March of 88 when the bad tour came to town and Michael did the same thing during Beat It. <laughs> so, oh, wow. yeah, not a bad year for, for your boy here <laughs> for making eye contact wow. with, with, his, with the icons of our youth. Um, but uh, and then right after that, he launches into Kiss and I'm 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 freaking my, my brain is scorched. Uh the thing that really blows my mind the most, though, is what he opened that concert with, what he opens that show with. He opens with Erotic City. Wow. Oh, so he comes out. He, he comes out. Yeah. And he's driving the car from the Alphabet Street video around the stage. That's so awesome. It was sick. <laughs> Absolutely sick. It's it's the coolest thing I've ever seen. In this white polka dotted outfit with his hair tied back in a bow and he the first words out of his mouth were like if you've ever heard the the b-side of glam slam escape snare drums pound on the two and four all the party people get on the floor bass and the bass line to erotic city kicks in nice you are done you're done at this point (laughs) it's it's the it, it was absolutely incredible uh, in fact, I've got the audio for it. I'll play it for you when we're off the air, okay? <laughs> yeah. I, I promise you, I will make good on that. <laughs> but, uh, I, Mono, I know you and I talked about this earlier. You never got the chance to see him live. No, I didn't. And it's like one of my biggest regrets. You know, I think probably, and I've told you this story because I've heard this story plenty of times come from different sources. Uh, the closest that I probably have gotten to Prince is when he, snuck in here uh to erica badu's uh birthday party mm-hmm. at her club right yeah and that's probably the closest i've ever gotten to him because he was in dallas but yeah i mean you know just that that's that's one thing that i will probably regret in life is not being able to see him in concert and you know uh going back to you know me talking about him so much when i was working with the county and I used to tell him, you know, like Prince is revolutionary in no pun intended. Yeah, <laughs> right. No yeah. pun intended. But yeah, I mean, he is because you know, I say, you know, we 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 look at R. Kelly and we see all of the sexual music that he brings out, even though you know he's a he's done what he's done. His music, his music catalog is a pretty you know legit, but. Um, there would be no R. Kelly if, if Prince hadn't opened up that, you know, that, that window. This is true. Being, being sexual in his music, you know, uh, we can even go shoot it. We want to go to rap. We can talk about too short and, you know, Luke Skywalker, you know, they, (laughs) (laughs) you know, they, they playing club music, uh, ratchet, you know, you know, shake, shake that is shake that, you know, all of that is a tribute to Prince, you know, Prince was the one that, 
was the first one to really kind of push that envelope of, you know, let's be sexual. It's okay to make grown folks music. Wave, um, wave yeah. that freak flag. Wave it. Right, right. Mm-hmm. It's okay to be you. And I think that's what listening to his music is a freedom. Like you, you can and you can dive in it and just be free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you don't have to constrain yourself. You could be riding the car, singing to the top of your lungs, dancing crazy, just your plain old crazy self and not feel judged. That's that's what I love about his music. Yeah. And oh yeah, you'll, you'll look at a memory. fool. You'll look at a fool and say, What? Yeah. If if they see you singing your your ass off the hot thing and you're like, What, you don't know hot thing? <laughs> right. <laughs> Sucks to be you. <laughs> right. And my other favorite memory, him kicking Kim Kardashian off the stage because <laughs> oh, she wouldn't dance. Yes, <laughs> <Hilarious>. yes. <laughs> Prince was everybody's spirit animal that day, I think. <laughs> what you doing? Oh, Get off the stage. Get off the stage. Right? <laughs> now, I'm almost afraid to ask, Jazz, but did you ever get to see him live? I unfortunately did not. Oh, and and like Mono, that is one of my biggest regrets that I never was able to see him live. Well, growing up in Dallas when you did you kind of were at a huge disadvantage because when I saw him in 88, um, he didn't come back to Dallas for nine years. He didn't yeah. come, he didn't come back to Dallas again to, to play a show anyway. He may have been here to do other things, but um, like you said, showing up, but that was, I want to say that was like the after party for the, one of the musicology shows, if I'm not mistaken, because she had shown uh, up on stage with him. Uh, oh. at that show in April of 04 because he came here yeah. twice he came here in April and he came here again in June and that's when that was the last time I saw him because that's the last time yeah. he played here uh, yeah, I was gonna say I knew he the last time he was here had to be like 03, 04 04 yeah yeah, yeah. He, it was like Father's uh-huh. Day week and it was right around the yeah. time that Ray yeah. Charles died because uh, Chance played uh, Georgia on my mind during a costume change mm. oh wow which, you know, that's another musical icon we can't dive into. I I love Ray. But, oh, right you know, there with you. Dedicated to Prince, yeah. But um, let's see. He came here twice in 97 on the Love for One Another tour. He played once at the Starplex in August. And I can tell you, uh, it, it was it was mind-numbingly hot because we were all sitting on the lawn. And I remember uh, a friend of mine that was in a different part of the – uh, he was at a different gate. Uh, Mr. Morris Hayes was at his gate, who was playing in the NPG at the time. And they opened the gate, and everyone came flooding in. And my buddy Mark said he heard Morris say, wow, the exodus has begun. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you in the know, yes, that, that was a definite tip of the hat to the album that, that was so well-loved at that time. I know a lot of people, it got past a lot of people that – that you know, come the gold experience and Exodus were all part of this kind of singular experience that they, they all kind of fed off of each other. If you've never heard, I know, I know y'all have heard gold. I mean, that kind of goes without saying. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and come was like the album right before that. It was released in ninety four. So come was ninety four, and uh, gold was ninety five. Exodus was supposed to be a, uh, like a companion album to both of them. And yeah. it never really got a proper release here. Like I, I, I think mine was a German import, 
but it's an it's an amazing amazing uh lesson in funk it's just fantastic stuff uh there's a fan made mix that floats around that you can see that you can find every now and then that uh is called the dawn and i know that we grew mm. up for years and every album credit at the end of every movie he made may you live to see the dawn right some very ambitious fan cobbled together like uh all the best, best stuff from come crystal ball the gold experience exodus and they made it this masterwork called the dawn and it's almost like the, it, it's the way it's packaged if you can find a physical copy of this thing good luck uh but it's packaged almost the exact same way that emancipation is packaged so it's wow. like three singular experiences in one big package and it's it's really great stuff uh uh, I, I'll have to help you guys out with that as well, <laughs> but uh, it's 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 pr- it's probably the best way to experience what I think is the best material from him in that decade. I know a lot of people want to give credit to Diamonds and Pearls and the Symbol album, but to me, the and it, it's going to sound kind of kind of bad coming from me, given that we're pretty much just heaping all this praise on him. But the Gold Experience is the last album that Prince put out that I genuinely loved from beginning to end. Oh wow! Okay, because the the bulk of his output after that is, I I I don't want to really blame it on him getting so deep in the Jehovah Witness faith, and he started really cleaning everything up, and yeah. and he kind of started backtracking on his art, like like yeah when when you when you take in a song that you're so familiar with and you're so afraid now of offending people that grew up listening to this stuff that you start changing the lyrics to it when you do yeah. it when you do it live and you're just like uh yeah that 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 kind of bothers me you know like every time he would sing i feel for you it was no longer it's mainly a physical thing it's mainly a spiritual thing now yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, instead of 23 positions in a one night stand it's 23 scriptures in a one night stand uh-huh. really bro Re- really uh-huh. well and you know that's one thing I, I I will say me being a man of faith uh, yeah I, I know I didn't I, want to step I, on your toes on that one bro no 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 not at, not at all I mean you know I I can identify with that and I actually appreciate that in him is that you know Prince is going to be Prince no matter what, mm-hmm. but he's, he was very tied to his convictions, you know, as far as that's concerned. And I was reading a story one day and it was like, it wouldn't, you know, he was so tied into the Jehovah witness faith that, you know, it wouldn't be anything for him to come to your door and knock on it and talk about, you know, uh, you know, being a Jehovah witness, you know, you know how to go around and knock on the door. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I read that story about a guy that was sitting there watching the Vikings game. And his wife said, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, honey, uh, somebody's at the door. <laughs> oh, really? Who? Right. She goes, you ain't going to believe it. You're going to have to come and look. <laughs> like, and there he is with a watchtower, I think, with Larry Graham beside him. Exactly. Wow. So it's like, you know, you knock on my door. If Prince knocks on my door, I don't hear anything about Jehovah at this point. <laughs> like, yeah. right. like I'm, I'm done. Like, you can come in. You can definitely come in and sit down and talk. But we taking pictures. Like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you could try. He'd probably hide his face because I know how hinky he would be about stuff like that. But yeah, uh, it and and, see, and to and to me, I, it always bothered me when he started fall, when he started surrounding himself with 
certain personalities that I think kind of dragged him into this artistic malaise. Like he just, the stuff that he started putting out from that point forward, as soon as Larry Graham came into his life, and I know this is kind of a polarizing subject, but it's like everything started to get a little bit watered down. Yeah, I, I just yeah. I just don't think the the fire that he had burning in his belly. I don't know if it was because of his fight with Warner's, the whole you know slave on the cheek, changing his name to the symbol, fighting the system, and then when he just had this, he just he just took on this screw it mentality. Um, and yeah. you can honestly see like uh, he became a lot more socially conscious in yeah in those albums. What was it? Is uh, the after the symbol when he became uh, when him and Warner Brothers got into the whole little mix up? He started becoming very socially conscious in his albums, and mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I, yeah. I, I like what I'm hearing, but let's go back to talking about six. I mean, yeah, I, I like yeah. this, but I want mm-hmm. to. Um, I like the I fact that he was that he had the courage to speak up, but it was the the vessel he was using to do his speaking just wasn't quite as powerful as it was. And I know that that might just be a really bad case of good old day syndrome. I, I, yeah, I don't yeah. know. I don't know if that's. I mean, y'all feel the y'all feel me here? Am I <laughs> or am and I just honestly, talking out of my ass? I feel, and honestly, I feel like the deeper he got, and I'm not trying to like rag on anyone who is a Jehovah Witness. So I hope no one takes it this way, or anyone who's religious. But like, I feel like once he really dove into his spirit spirituality, he started closing off like. A part of himself. Yeah, that's kind of how I looked at it. I mean, because you know, no judging. It's just that you're when you compromise your art for the sake of something bigger. Sometimes that can be a good thing, and sometimes it can be a detriment. And I think he, yeah. I think he wound up alienating a ton of people. He may have gotten, exactly. he may have gotten new fans that way, but I think he lost a lot of old ones. Yeah, especially because, like, I feel like in some ways it confused me because it felt contradictory of like the message that ultimately he was trying, he was trying to like spread from the beginning. Like just like the idea of like love and acceptance, no matter like what kind of person you are, like you can be like, whether you are, you know, quote unquote loose or, you know, overly sexual or whatever, like it is okay to like be who you are and, and, you know, express that. And, you know, forget those who judge you for it. Right. Like um, you, you couldn't go and, back and listen to a song like sexuality and, yeah. and as, as pointed as those lyrics are stand up, everybody, this is your life. Let me take it to another world. Let me take your night. Don't need no money. Don't need no clothes. Do, you know, everything goes, he wouldn't be saying shit like that in, you know, post emancipation, you know, yeah, yeah, th- yeah. Just, there's no chance in hell. He, he just didn't think that way anymore. And I'm like, damn that it. Th- that's bad. what I grew up with though. You, little shit <laughs> now, <laughs> now i feel like you've betrayed me <laughs> and that and i think that's how it was for a lot of uh fans in all honesty so i think you know if we're gonna talk about you know the things that we loved we also have to talk about you know our genuine feelings <laughs> at the time yeah. that like we were upset about you know and um yeah like that whole sense of freedom and like freeing yourself like i just felt like you know, okay, now all of a sudden I'm not supposed to do that. Yeah. Like, you're just going to retract all of that. Yeah, and, and it was so ironic that it came right after emancipation, right after he was, quote, unquote, <laughs> freed. I mean, there were still some, 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 uh, what would you say, 
Tart lyrics on Emancipation, you know, face down. You know, he's dropping the f bomb left and right in that song. Yeah, uh, even, yeah. and even and he still did it on the tour. Even though at that point yeah. he'd kind of had his spiritual awakening, he wasn't. He still wasn't afraid to drop the f bomb during Face Down. But that was about the only yeah. song I can think of that he did it in. And I saw that tour twice. Um, mm-hmm. But after that, things just got kind of. I don't know. It's just, I don't know if, it, if I would call it watered down. I mean, it's not like the man couldn't wreck a house. Cause like he could still do that. He could still pack an arena, but I did notice that on the tours following that the arenas got, the venues got smaller. Like yeah, in 2000, uh, and I, I know we're really limiting ourselves here geographically, but I know that you guys will know these venues I'm talking about. When I saw him on the hit and run tour in 2000, he played at the Dallas convention center. Yeah, little yeah. bitty, oh, little yeah. little bitty, tiny venue, and I saw George Clinton crossing the stage after the show. I will never forget that. He had a beautiful honey under each arm, and everybody was filing out, but I just couldn't leave. I was just so transfixed. And here comes George across that stage, and I yelled him, "George!" And he actually gave me a thumbs up <laughs> as he was walking across mm-hmm. the stage. And as we were leaving the convention center, Prince's guitar tech wheeled out a shopping cart with all of Prince's guitars in him, right beside me. Wow. wow. I, I mean, I could reach out and flick the, the dark blue cloud. <laughs> wow. It took, my, my wife at the time looked at me. She goes, don't even think about it. <laughs> I'm like, too late. Already thought about it. <laughs> I'm not yeah. going to do it, but God, I thought about it. Uh, but then when he came back again for the One Night Alone Rainbow Children tour that he played at Fair Park Music Hall, I couldn't get into that one. That's the one time that he came here when I was able to see him that I, that I didn't go. Where did he play at in for, uh, at uh, Fair Park Music Hall? The, 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 the Fair Park Music Hall itself, the main hall where they hold the, all the music. The main, the main yeah. venue? Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Think about that okay. for a second. How you go from playing yeah, these massive arena shows to Fair Park Music Hall? Really, that thing holds, you know, a couple of thousand people? Yeah, because I was going to say, honestly, in his heyday, he probably could have packed out Cowboy Stadium easily. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Have you ever heard of that uh whenever whenever uh the Jackson Victory Tour came here to Dallas at Texas Stadium, Prince was oh, here. Yeah. Prince was here yeah. checking it out to see cuz he was gearing up to do the Purple Rain tour and he wanted to see how they pulled it off, what they did and yeah. everything. And I went to that show. I went to that the, to the Sunday show cuz they did a Friday, Saturday and Sunday show. Uh My was at show. July 15th, 84 or yeah, 84. Uh-huh. Uh, because the Friday show, Van Halen was playing at Reunion, and Jesus Christ, Eddie came on stage and played the guitar solo during "Beat It." Wow! I think that was the only stop on the tour where that happened, where they just happened to be in the same city. Yeah, but, Dallas used to be like a mecca for yeah, it, it really did music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was it was crazy at one point. Yeah, it, it wouldn't be nothing for you to see Van Halen, Led Zeppelin. Uh, Jackson Five, you know, all playing the same weekend. It was like just picking. Oh yeah, up. Queen. All Queen, of them used yeah. to roll up in into Dallas. Yeah. Hell, the the video uh, for Another One Bites the Dust was filmed at Reunion Arena. Yeah. 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 Uh huh. Did you uh did uh Chad? Did you know that Bob Plant lives here? I'm sorry. From, uh, Liz Zeppelin. Did you know that Bob Plant lives here and let Rob uh, Rob Plant from uh Liz Zeppelin? Get out of here. Yeah, I've actually seen him in uh, the Bishop Arts area. You have got to be kidding me. I, I lie to you not. Why would he be here of all places? <laughs> I have no idea. And I mean, I knew Don Henley was from this area, but uh, 
I had I had never heard that about Robert Plant. No, I did not yeah. know that. He and this would had to be like five years ago. I was headed to um, Dallas Grill Cheese, and he was right there sitting on the patio eating with some some lady. And I was like, "Yo, I call him Bob Plant." I was like, "Yo, that's freaking Bob Plant." And they were like, "Who is that?" I was like, "Who is that?" Y'all are so lame. Get out of my face. (laughs) Well, you know, nice little segue though. Have y'all did y'all ever see? The, the the tour that played at, at Fair Park Music Hall. Have you ever seen the the live DVD from that tour that, that he filmed at the Aladdin in Vegas? No. I have, okay. but I I've only watched it one time. Okay. So it's it's you know, way you, in the back of my head. You honestly. know where I'm going with this though, right, Jasmine? <laughs> yeah. Mono. I will let you. He covers whole lot of love on that tour. Are you kidding me? I kid what? again. I, you wouldn't kid me about Bob playing eating the grilled cheese. I would not kid you about Prince <laughs> playing a whole lot of love. Dude, do we have this on video? Yes, we do. DVD. Yes, we do. Um, in fact, they just re-released one night alone on vinyl last year, and you could get a, like a nice little package. You could still get it on the official Prince store, and that DVD is in there. One night alone live at the Aladdin. He, and you know, I was telling you, I was telling you earlier that that's like my favorite live album by him is the One Night Alone well, because it was, it was really his is, first. And and if you really want to get technical, his only real full live album because the one that came mm-hmm. in the Indigo Nights book really wasn't a full show. Exactly, but, but the reason why I love this one so much, and I, I'm sorry to mean to cut you off. No, no, go ahead. Because in this album we actually get to hear Prince's vocals. And yeah. I don't think he gets a lot of credit on his oh, vocals. Oh, Lord. I mean, the dude could just flat-footed sing if he wanted to. Mm-hmm. And and that's what One Night Alone gives you. Like, the first time I heard the rendition of The Beautiful One that he did, I was like, oh, my God. I think I love this man. Like, I, <laughs> I, I love him. <laughs> this man can sing, like, for real. So, yeah. The thing that always sticks out about that performance of of when he does whole lot of love, I remember he's like doing he's like doing a fake radio commercial when he intros the song. He goes, "WNPG, colorblind, it's about time," and then he just rips that da 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 da, and and shit, <laughs> that that crowd gets knocked back about five rows. And he's in full falsetto throughout the. I'm not even going to try to do it, but I mean he he out falsettos plant. And uh, I love whenever they get to the chorus, you got a whole lot of love. And they keep showing Rhonda on the bass and she is just eating this bass. She is chewing this thing up and spitting it out. And he, right before he launches into the solo, he says, no format tonight. And he just rips that guitar solo and he's playing the blue cloud. And I really honest to God think it's the last time he ever played the cloud. Because when he gets to the end of the solo, he acts like the guitar dies. Like literally, ceremoniously dies. He takes off the guitar and he's holding it in reverence, and it is, it's, he's acting like the guitar doesn't work anymore. And he lays it on the stage, and you know him; he's always got a pocket square on his jacket. He takes right. out this big, long, humongous hanky and covers the guitar like it's a like it's a corpse. Wow! And wow. just and just walks away from it. And I never saw him play the the cloud live ever again. And what year was that? That was in two thousand two. Oh yeah, oh two. Now, granted, on the on the promotional, uh, com- on the commercial for the Super Bowl halftime show, he's got a oh, cloud, wow. but he didn't use it during the halftime show. 
He had, yeah. uh, he had a he had an orange cloud made, but he never used it. So now that we've can we segue into this? That was probably that was the greatest halftime show ever at a Super Bowl. Absolutely. Let, let me tell you something. Absolutely. Let me tell you something. For years, my old man gave me shit for being a Prince fan. Never understood it. Never got it. He never could wrap his head around why I was so obsessed with this man's music. And we were watching the Super Bowl over at his house. And when that, you know, when that that clap clap chant for we will rock you started and you know rock yep. this mother yeah. till the wheels come off you know and yeah. I'm, and i'm like i'm just leaning forward in my chair going come on bring it just bring it please right. just bring it hit me hard and right. then that lightning strikes the thunder resonates off your subwoofer and then you just see that symbol crackle to life and you hear let's go crazy yeah and you're like and then that was, the, that was one so of the greatest aw shit moments of my life. I'm like, oh shit, it's it's on, and we were off and running. And by the time that performance was over with, I will never forget this. He, my old man, looked at me and said, "I finally get it." He finally I mean, he finally understood. <laughs> do you know how amazing you have to be to command the rain? Down. That's what as I was you, about to say. During Purple Rain, it started raining. Playing, you remember? You remember his quote? You remember his famous quote from that? What did he say? He asked a tech nearby, "Do you think you can make it rain harder?" Oh yes, 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 yes. yes. <laughs> no, man, we don't have a direct line to God like you do, sir. <laughs> and lo and behold, the the sky opened up, and he is walking around playing purple rain with these electric guitars and you're just like this is amazing like who does this but <laughs> prince my favorite just prince. right my favorite my favorite part of the performance was the uh tribute that he did to hendrix no kidding when he, when he did watchtower god yeah watchtower watchtower yes yes that's my favorite that was my favorite part of the whole show and and who would have thought that he, you could segue from foo fighters to <laughs> i mean you go from proud mary and uh oh god it was it was i'm trying to remember where, what what order it went in i'm kind of drawing a blank right now but i know we went from i know he did uh uh rolling on the river and then he did watchtower and then he did best of you if i'm not mistaken yeah cuz after best of you is when he went into purple rain right yep 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 greatest performance ever now i i can say i've seen him live i play i've seen him play live on the super bowl that was my one time have you ever heard his cover of Radiohead's creep that he did at Coachella. No, uh-uh. What about you, Jazz? I have. And honestly, if I were the Foo Fighters or Radiohead, I would be like, this is the best moment of my life. Prince <laughs> is covering my song. <laughs> <laughs> well, because Foo Fighters actually re- recorded a cover of, of Nikki for, for one of their albums. Yeah, I did. I heard that. Yeah, I heard it. Yeah. Wasn't bad. It wasn't, wasn't Prince, but it wasn't bad. Right, <laughs> but uh, the the thing that uh, the thing that really uh, made me want to even have this conversation with you guys in the first place is what we used as the intro for this for this entire episode, and it's it's significance not just for uh, for us as fans, but 
for him personally and what it wound up symbolizing. Um, uh, I'm, I'm a contributor to a, 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 a geek centric site called, uh, uh, that nerd show.com. And, uh, the, uh, the guy that runs it asked me to write an article and he actually wanted me to do a, write an article about Manic Monday because so many people always forget. I don't know how, by this point, how they can forget that he wrote that song. But especially now that the uh, Originals album came out and his version was on it. But uh, I said, well, dude, given that it's the five-year anniversary of Prince's passing and what this song represents to us as fans... I wanted to do an article on sometimes it snows in April. And I know personally that it's the song that I have the hardest time listening to. I, I struggle with purple rain, but it's almost impossible for me to get through. Sometimes it snows in April without completely losing my shit. Uh, the revolution has come here and played at Dallas twice in the last few years. And when they came here the first time, it was just a couple of years after he passed. And the only voices you heard in that concert venue were Wendy and Lisa's voices and they couldn't get through it. They struggled to sing. Sometimes it snows in April. And what a lot of people don't realize about that song and why it is, it is, so incredibly significant is not just because of the context of the song, because if you've seen under the cherry moon, it Mm -hmm. puts an awful lot of context in it because the man actually dies on screen. I know spoiler alert. I'm sorry. It came out in 86. If you ain't seen it by now, that's on you. Um, but he, it's the last words out of Prince's character's mouth is we had fun, didn't we? And then he's gone. He dies in Kristen Scott Thomas's arms Mm -hmm. after being shot in the back by her jealous, enraged father, some flunky that he got in a uniform to just shoot at him for no real good reason other than he just didn't want him in the in the way. And as as he kind of slumps to the to the ground as she lets him go, sometimes it snows and April starts playing in the background. And um uh, I don't know if either of you have gotten a hold of Dwayne Tudal's book, uh, The Prince in the Purple Rain era studio sessions. But uh, it's a beautiful, huge hardback book that he's getting ready to publish a follow up to about the parade sound of the time sessions, that whole era from 85 to 86. It's coming out in a couple of months. And he happened to drop a couple of the pages about it today. And he said that he'd been asked to do several interviews. He and I are actually friends on Facebook. And uh, he said he's been asked to do several interviews today, given what today is. And he said, but I'm just going to put my headphones on and just kind of retreat. Um, but the the pages that he that he put out there show a picture of the studio that Prince, Wendy, and Lisa scratched this song apparently out of a of a composition that he had written before Warner's even signed him. Uh-huh. It it already had the basic elements of the song and the title. But he changed he and Wendy and Lisa together changed the overall, you know, feel of the song to fit the that moment in the film. Yeah. The most incredibly tragically ironic thing about this whole thing is that they re- they wrote and recorded this song in one day 
in a single sitting on a Sunday in 85. Date, April 21. Yeah. 31 years to the day we lost him. If that doesn't send shivers up your spine, I I don't know what will, especially given what Minnesota just went through yesterday. They wake up this morning with frost and snow on the ground. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. He was prophet. He was a prophet. Yes, he was. That's the best way I can put it. Absolutely. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, was it uh, wasn't it the '86 show where he dedicated it to Lisa's brother when she, she had he had passed? She, yeah, he had passed away. No, not the '86 uh, show. No, that didn't happen until '04. That happened on the Musicology tour. There we go. Okay. But he yeah, did dedicate. Yes, it's actually mentioned in the book. Dwayne actually mentions that in the book coming up that he dedicated sometimes the snows in April to to uh, to Lisa's brother. Right. Right. Okay. I. I I wanted to make sure I, was, I got that right. Now, I also remember that if you guys remember what I think is one of the most amazing songs he's ever written, The Love We Make, that was on Emancipation. That was dedicated to Wendy and Susanna's brother, Jonathan, that I want to say was part of, gosh, what band was he a part of? The Smashing Pumpkins? But I think um, he had passed away of a drug overdose. That was the whole put down the needle, put down the spoon line in the love we make. So he he was, you know, very, you know, still once they had parted ways, he still felt very connected to the two of them. And I feel really lucky because the last time the revolution played here, I actually got a hold of a signed copy of Around the World in a Day that all of them signed. Oh wow! Not Prince isn't on there, but everybody else from the Revolution signature is. But it's a right. it's a sealed wow. copy of Around the World Today that the entire Revolution autographed. Wow! So suffice to say that will stay bagged until they put me in the ground. <laughs> I, I think I've actually got a poster that I got from their first show that they autographed as well. I need to get it framed. But uh, if the if the Revolution ever goes on the road again, if you guys have the opportunity to go see them live, do it. For the love of all that is good and holy, do it. It's the closest you're ever going to come to seeing him in person. I mean, I I was lucky enough to see him five times over the course of my life. And as I told Mono today, I'll tell you the same thing, Jazz. I would gladly give one of my concert-going experiences to you just so you can say you've seen him at least once. Yeah. It's 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 something that it it breaks my heart that the two of you never got a chance to see that man perform live because it's next level. Just there's there's never there's never been another performer like that. I know we were making the Michael Prince comparison earlier in the show because everybody did. You know, g- growing up in the eighties, everybody just that's that's just the rivalry that everybody talked about. And yes, Michael was an entertainer. Prince was a musician. Prince Prince was as 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 a pure pure artist as I think ever existed in 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 the field of music. We were we yeah. were we were lucky to have the guy. We didn't deserve the guy. We really didn't. But 
all of us are lucky enough to say that we lived in the time that Prince walked this earth. Absolutely. Not just him, but so many other musical. We, I'm actually blessed to say that I lived in a time when music was just pure. And Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I, my son, he's, He'll be six on uh, on Friday, and he will not know the level of music musicianship and just music quality period that I grew up in. You know, I had Michael Jackson, I had Prince, I had the Osley Brothers, uh, Tupac, Biggie, mm. N.W.A. You know, I had I had all of this stuff. Outcast when they first exactly. came at came out, and so it's like. I, I, I feel bad for him because he will never know what it was like growing up, you know, going to a record store and buying a CD and, you know, the day that it dropped, you know, of just your favorite artist. So I'm I'm I thank God I was born when I was born. Yeah. Same. Same. Oh, yeah. here. Same here. And um, it's like, I, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, Chuck. I, I, I always love that. The, the smell of a new CD or an or a new cassette or a new uh, a new vinyl LP when you crack the seal on it and you looked at that lyric sheet and especially back in the days of, of, of gatefold albums when you would just marvel in the artwork on it and just, it, it, it was an experience that, that kids that are just, you know, kids today that are just growing up in this, in this digital <laughs> realm where you, you don't have a tangible physical album anymore. That's number one worth a shit. Uh, and, or number two that you can admire. I mean, you just yeah. you just scroll to look at the tracks. You're not actually holding anything other than your phone, and it's and I it's kind of sad. And I think artists try to pivot, you know, like in expressing their music in another way. Since the the visuals of like the album, its cover, and all of that, and the case, and you know, the booklet, the oh, those aren't all there. You know, like Beyonce did, like her visuals for her, all the songs on her albums, which are phenomenal, by the way, if you have not watched the Lemonade visual or um, her self-titled visual, like, same thing with Janelle Monet, like, the whole Dirty Computer visual is phenomenal. So I think they're trying to find other ways of expressing their music through, like, you know, film. But, yeah, you know, it is sad. Because, you know, this generation, they will never experience Whitney. They will never, like, experience Mariah in her prime. Like, they oh, they, yes. they won't have that to remember. No. And it's a shame because, honestly, a lot of modern-day artists, to be completely honest with you, they don't have the range. <laughs> no. They don't. I mean, about the only person that I think I enjoy consistently, I don't know if I'm on an island here, but I love me some Bruno Mars. Oh, yeah. Bruno I, Mars. I yeah. love me some Bruno Mars. And I have, if 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 I actually had leave the door open on vinyl, it would already be ground to dust by now. I have played that song. I have played the living shit out of that song. It is probably my favorite Phenomenal. song of the last five years. Honestly, I never thought I never would have imagined an Anderson Pock and Bruno Mars collab, but it works and I want more of it. <laughs> you ain't kidding. God. I mean, as much as I loved Uptown Funk and I know people got sick of it, but I still love it. 
I can still listen to, you know, 24 karat magic. I don't give a shit. Is something about Bruno, that boy, that that kid, that man, whatever however you want to call him, that the, the dude gets it. The and dude that whole absolutely album is solid. Gets it. Yes. That whole yeah, album no, that from whole beginning album, to end yeah. is solid. Uh, so, I, I, he's somebody reached down from up above and touched him. I mean, that was one of the tributes. I'm like, okay, all right, all right, Bruno. I see you with that white cloud. I see you with that purple freaking trench coat. Impress me. And the son of a gun did it. Yeah. When he and did he, it, I'm like, you know what? Too. Him, I'll take. Yes, he can. It's like him, I'll take. Him, I'll take any day of the week and twice on Sunday. You get him. <laughs> you get him and Janelle on a double bill. She absolutely. Ooh, ooh, you talking about a collab? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just like I've always wanted to see Seal and Sade tour together. Oh, oh man. Oh. Uh huh. Y'all picking up what I'm putting down? <laughs> Tell me. That would be. Yeah. I've seen him live. I saw him live a few years ago and good God. And you know, and it's like, I'm not even going to try to like completely just discredit some of the talent that is out because, you know, I listen to, you know, I like to get, you know, a little ratchet. I listen to Meg the Stallion. I'm down with Meg, you know, like (laughs) Meg is my girl. I can't follow you on that one. (laughs) You know, I, I, I listen. Yeah, you know, I listen to SZA. I mean, like, I'm not even going to try to front. Like, I don't listen to any new artists or anything like that. But it takes a special artist to really like touch me and 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 for me to say, you know what? Like, you are all around talented. Like, you just understand music. Yeah, and it's like. And a lot of people try to talk about Beyonce like, oh, she's just an entertainer. But I feel like Beyonce understands music and she understands the art of performing. And that's why Prince respected her. Um, I, and I kind of no got around that way on Gaga eventually. Like when, when, yeah, you, exactly. when you dropped all the, the goofy shock value and theatrics and when you actually – you know what did it for me on Gaga? When she sang mm-hmm. Sound of Music at the Oscars that year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, she, she, damn. Damn. And it's like, and it's like when you really think about present day, who's really killing it in pop? No one is is doing it like Beyonce, and and it's like I feel like that's just one of in that genre specifically. There will never be another Beyonce. There will never be another Lady Gaga. Mm -hmm. Like they're just on another level because I feel like they always give one hundred and ten percent. Like a lot of these pop artists, they think they can just get on stage and just look pretty, and that's enough. But they don't know how to perform. They don't know how to sing and dance for a two hour show. Mm-hmm. You know, it hits thirty five minutes and they're out of breath. Yeah, and they can't sing. <laughs> you know, it's just like, and that's on like, where are the artists that truly put the effort and the time into their art? these days and you know like i listen to rap i'm not even gonna like front i like you know kendrick lamar i love all of them but like a lot of these radio rappers like migos and whatever you know like i'm sorry like it's not enough for me you just get on stage and y'all just jump around huffing and puffing and then you're out of breath and then it's like but you know the 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 same is not afforded to a lot of women who who perform they always have to know how to dance. They have to know how to sing through a two-hour show. They have to know how to do X, Y, and Z. But it's like, I feel like the standard is very 
uh, skewed and the the stakes are very low. Yeah. <laughs> um, the bar is, and, yeah, the bar is even yeah, lower. The bar is, yeah, I you mean, know, and, you, and it's just like, take your DJ you Khaled, take your DJ Khaled, take your freaking, oh God, uh, Lil Wayne, you know, everything of that ilk and, and just shovel it somewhere. Cause it, none of that has ever spoken to me. I, I, I'm sorry. And, yeah. you, you and your, it's fine. Yeah. Just, ugh, I, I can't. And God knows I tried. I really did try. And, yeah. And it's like, you know, I can listen at the end of the day, if I'm like, you know, listening to it on Spotify or in the car, you know, all that, the club, whatever, I don't even go to the club. But if I were to go to the club, you know, Lord, you know, they play, I will be on the dance floor. (laughs) But when you ask me, are these artists that I would go see live? Would I invest time into going to shows? No, (laughs) I would not. Um, But yeah, I just, it, it just seems like the, the, the level of effort musically is just uh, deteriorating over time. Yeah. To Um, to me, the question you really need to ask is, are we going to remember these jokers in 10 years? Yeah, that's, that's that's the, you know, big question. I think even though I I don't care for Beyonce's music, uh, I respect her because Mm -hmm. she has transcended uh, music in so many ways. And, you know, they always say, you know the, that whole cliche. Oh, that person's ahead of the curve. Beyonce mm-hmm. is the curve. Like mm-hmm. she, exactly, she sets the tone for how music is going to go. But it's even the in the industry, you know, the whole like surprise drop. She, Beyonce is the yeah. reason that music releases moved from Tuesdays to Fridays. Yeah. yeah, she is the reason that that happened. The whole like oh drop and no promo. Now all these other artists. Oh, surprise album, secret drop. She set the standard. (laughs) I mean, you can't do it like Beyonce because Beyonce knows her fan base is going to be like, yo, did y'all know that, uh, what was it, Lemonade that dropped at midnight? No, it it wasn't Lemonade. It was the album before that. Self-titled. Yes, it was self-titled. Yeah, so she was like, did did y'all know that this dropped the other day? So it just, it went from not being promoted to the... uh, highly trending album in like five minutes like the world's most trending album in like within an hour yeah but the one woman i was gonna say that i actually fell in love with that i think taps into that inner prince because she can sing and play and that's her yeah yes yes absolutely absolutely yeah when she did the beautiful ones at that tribute i'm like okay this girl's the truth bro when i say she hit that beautiful when she did the beautiful one at the Sheila E tribute. I was like, I am in love with her. I don't even know her, but I mm-hmm. I, I love her. Yeah, yeah her she- is one of the girls that are doing it right now. Like Janelle, her, like just performers, musicians all around. Like, and you know, like, and that's why when I do get these little bits of like people that actually artists that really speak to me, like I hold on to it because I'm like, I really want you to be successful and make it because I know people aren't checking for artists like you right now. And that's yeah. just the truth of it. Like, you know, the before recently, now her is more like in the focus and appearing in like TV and commercials now. Um, but when she started, she was a hidden treasure. 
Like mm-hmm. if you if you didn't let your Spotify just like run your playlist until it hit Spotify radio and random artists started coming on, like you wouldn't come across her. Like that's how I found her. Like I my playlist finished out and then it started playing like recommended songs and hers came on and I was like, who is this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, <laughs> she's phenomenal. She really is. Well, t- t- to me, I guess rap just doesn't have the same allure to me that it used to because I... I guess, you know, Tupac, Chuck D, um, Cube, Dre, uh, pretty much ruined me. Because it stopped telling a story. Yeah, it yeah. pretty much ruined me because they. you want to talk about a bar that got set so incredibly high, nobody was ever going to be able to clear it on that level again. Because I'm one of the kinds, I'm, I'm one of the guys that never, ever got Kanye. I've, I've, oh man, I've never Kanye's first three albums. Late or? registration and college dropout was Kanye West in his prime. Like, second, those three albums may honestly be top five albums of all time. Exactly. Like, it's the best piece of work he has and will ever make. And I, that is honestly just fact with Kanye. Like, yeah, but when he got he's a, the he, later into his career, they got he just became this performance artist. I don't know what nut job it seemed. I don't know what he's trying to do right now. I don't, honestly, I don't think he yeah, does like, either. And and that's the thing he used to tell stories, mm-hmm. you know. Well, and, and even Kendrick Lamar, I I love Kendrick because it goes back to that back to that uh, the fundamentals of rap. He's telling a story. Mm-hmm. You know, Good Kid, Mad City, one of the best albums in in recent time. Like, and and people can add, they like don't add me on it. I'm like it is. And to Pimp a Butterfly, same case because yeah, yeah. he's telling real stories about the black experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was going to say um, the the one group that I've always cared for, uh, and I'll say like Andre Three Thousand. Oh yeah. Mm. Um, as far as like lyrically, he's a poet. You know, he's a poet. Mm-hmm. He knows how to sing. He can play. I mean, he's just the trifecta. You know, and that I say that's attributed to Erica Badu because she allowed him to expand his palette musically. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, like you said, rap is just there's no, no more storytelling. You know, and um, once you get past the '90s and the early 2000s, it kind of goes downhill from there. Yeah, I've, I've been saying for years, and I don't think it has necessarily everything to do with the fact that I, it was Prince's last great album, in my opinion. Once once music crossed the 1995 threshold, it just kind of started to decline. Yeah. Across the board. Like, it, no, no genre specific. It's just, there were, you know, there were little flashes here and there, but just consistently... It just wasn't there anymore. Like, and yeah, I know it's going to be like, it's going to sound like good old A Center once again. To me, the greatest year in popular music was probably 1987. Mm-hmm. You, you, mm-hmm. Look at, you look at what came out in 1987. Pretty much everybody that put out an album that year that was pop mainstream was the best album of their career. Like, it was like almost like a greatest hits album. Like, you, yeah. Back, Michael Jackson's Bad, well, Prince, yeah. Prince's Sign of the Times. Yeah. George Michael's yeah. faith. I uh, think every era has like its prime though. Cause like, you know, in the eighties, like you said, it's like what? 87, mm-hmm. 86. And then like you get into the nineties and it's like, 
94, 95 ish. And then like the 2000s is like, yeah, oh one or, you know, like it's, you know, and, and I think honestly, if you were asking me like, oh, what are the primes of like the 2010s and stuff? I'd say like 2014 had a good music drop. Like 2014. Um, when, like Kendrick Lamar and Jay Cole yeah, and, and Janelle and all of yeah. them were dropping albums and stuff. And then like from there on out, I can't really tell you what's an album I listen to from start to finish other than like uh, 2017 uh, Control by SZA. I listened to that album from start to finish. Um, and I think that's mainly because like that album speaks to me as uh, at the time I was in my late 20s and that album is very centered around your late 20s and growing as like a woman and coming into like your own sense of like womanhood and so like that's why that album kind of spoke to me and my experience you know as a woman in my 20s um and come that coming to an end like if you listen to like 20 somethings if you ask any like black girl that is into R&B and listens to SZA, what's like one of their top songs from her? They'll probably say 20 somethings because at the, like I listened to that song when the night that I turned 30, um, because that song is kind of like a farewell to that time in your life. And it's like sad, but hopeful at the same time. So, you know, like there's artists out here that are making great pieces of work, but it's like, it's just so hard to like find them these days because they get pushed in the background by popular radio music. And and that that's just facts. This is going to sound real churchy of me, but I agree with you 100% that there's like not just one album I've been able to listen to except for Kanye West's gospel album. It is it's amazing. Like, if you know you're I'm, into that, I'm not gonna lie. What was that one song in in that uh, Ultraviolet? That is okay. I Ultraviolet is 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 kind of it, it. It's a good song. I'm not even gonna lie. So it's yeah. like Kanye still has gems, but I think he's lost sound wise, musically and in in his sound. I just don't think he has any like direction of where he wants to go because if you like look at the albums you know over time it seems like he's just like all over the place yeah he's yeah, he's, he's bought into like, too much of his own hype yeah like he yeah, can't like find it 808 and heartbreaks it just it's it's downhill from there yeah and I, it just, I, I don't, I don't see a level of anticipation in, in music releases anymore like we used to. And I don't know if it's necessarily COVID fueled, you know, just, you know, that, that everything, mm-hmm. everything's just become so insulated. Um, and it's, it's, I don't know if I should say that it's sad, but like when I heard about this, uh, welcome to America release coming up, and then we're also getting uh, a re-release of, uh, his, of Prince's first acoustic album, the truth on uh mm-hmm. on record store day in june and it actually gives me hope <laughs> that good i'll finally have something else to add to the collection that i know i'll probably listen to from start to finish even though i already own the truth it was part of crystal ball uh but i'm still kind of curious of is the thing that we're getting in july the only thing we're getting from the estate is that going to be it yeah. is is, is welcome you know to america so much more huh 
I was saying, you know, he has much more. Oh, in oh that no! Bolt. From what I was hearing, from the rumor mill that I was that I was hearing, grinding, uh, getting ready to spin up. I know everybody is instantly kind of drawn to what anniversary are we? What album anniversary are we observing this year? And two albums fall right in line with that. Now, granted, it wasn't the uh, the anniversary year for Sign of the Times last year for them to do Super Deluxe, but that's when they decided to release it. I'm not complaining because I'm looking at it right now and it makes me want to well up every time I look at it because when I see this beautiful box set of these 10,000 vinyl albums in this one massive set, it's something I've been dreaming of and wanting ever since I was a kid. 1999 Super mm-hmm. Deluxe was the exact same way. But I know the the smart money people say is either going to be on Parade because it's the 35th anniversary of Parade mm-hmm. or Diamonds and Pearls is actually the best, the, 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 from what I understand, the smarter bet. It's because it's the 30th anniversary yeah. of Diamonds and Pearls. And it's like, you know, I, I think that'll be something to look forward to because, you know, I am of a generation that is on the cusp of music and how music has evolved over the years. And so I teeter off like, you know, being accepting of like either or, but understanding that where music is going currently does kind of worry me because, um, you know, I know some people are pure traditionalists and they're like, nobody plays instruments anymore and it's all electronic and, you know, and it's like, my only worry is that I don't want us to lose that art of playing an instrument mm-hmm. and and traditional music um, because having those elements, you need to have those elements in order to have the music that we have today. Yeah, I know. Because I know that's why he resisted letting his stuff go to things like Rock Band and Guitar Hero. Why Prince always mm-hmm. refused yeah. it. He's like, no, I want I want people that are that interested in playing music to actually pick up a real instrument and learn how to play it. Exactly. Although I would have and loved so, to have seen a little plastic cloud guitar <laughs> packed, <laughs> packed alongside my Xbox. I would not I would not bitch one minute about that. Yeah. And it's like <laughs> that's that's why, you know, I battle uh back and forth with it. Because, you know, I am a lover of music and I enjoy all different genres, but I acknowledge that that is still a very like key element that needs to be present in music because without it it's lost. Yeah. Um, and there's a good show that I will recommend everyone to watch that deals with this subject matter. And it's called Carol on Tuesday. If you can get past the fact that it's an anime, you will really see a good story there because, um, it deals with those elements of like these two girls who make traditional music and they play guitar and piano and they are trying to tap into the music industry in a time where music is very computer generated, it's all like techno and like synth and stuff. And that's what everyone's into. And they're trying to like break into the industry, just being their authentic selves and playing their traditional instruments. And like the industry is kind of rejecting them. And it also deals with like subject matter of, you know, like Carol is, you know, a black uh, immigrant and and how like Tuesday's mother is like the the gov she's like the mayor or the governor of the city and they're going through like that that uh kind of just those intense time periods of like what does that look like politically and so it's it's a really good show 
Um, and so if you are a lover of music, I highly recommend watching it. Um, but yeah, you know, like in terms of like Prince and, you know, all the greats being gone, um, I know a lot of us like question where, what does the future of music look like? Um, but, you know, I think there are still some artists that are around present day that uh, still give me some hope that we're, we're, we still have a lot of talent to look forward to. Um, and so I guess maybe I'm just trying to close with like, you know, while I mourn that we will never have like another Prince um, I'm still hopeful that there will be new artists that will come around that will give me some faith and that will be okay. And we have a bright future to look forward to with music. Yeah. As, as long as the estate keeps doing what they're doing, cause I know there's a lot of quote unquote fans out there that will argue that this isn't what Prince would have wanted. Uh, he, he wouldn't have wanted stuff that he never finished to be released this way. I'm like, well, you know, Prince was an amazing musician, an amazing songwriter, an amazing producer, but he wasn't always the smartest businessman. Mm. And I know that they are making decisions at Paisley Park that are maybe not aligning with his core beliefs because I know that they're selling alcohol and he didn't uh, believe in alcohol. Uh, but, But the way I look at it is if that's what it takes to keep this machine cranking do what needs to be done. Exactly. We have to preserve it. Yes, because I don't want I want to be able to go to Paisley one day. That's probably at the very top of my bucket list. I, and I don't want to see this thing get shut down because they're so being so, quote unquote, respectful of his wishes that it becomes completely inoperable, that it, that it, 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 it can't sustain itself anymore. I. I they have been cranking stuff out by the boatloads. And I know there are some people who say, oh, it's just capitalism and commercialism. Give it to me. I'll take it. Uh, if y'all don't want it, I'll buy it. I'll buy everything that they're selling. I, if you don't want it because you don't think that's what he would have liked, fine. But there's a lot of things that he didn't like that drove us all nuts as fans back in the day when he was suing fans for using his symbol, even though that's what he wanted to be called. And, you know, just, <laughs> you know, there are just certain aspects about that man's personality that I don't think any of us will ever fully understand. And I don't think those yeah. are aspects that we need to cling to because it kind of became a big albatross around the neck of the fan base and around the man himself. I think, I think he just kind of yeah. got in his own way when it came to making decisions like this. And I'm, I'm kind of glad the family kind of stepped aside and let whoever's running the estate and whoever they've hired to make these decisions. I feel like they're making really good decisions because I agree. They're getting things into our hands that we have been wanting. I, we have all been wanting a remastered sign of the times since the original came out in 87. Cause honestly that album sounded like crud. It always has. Yeah. It sounded really flat. There was no bottom to it. There was not a lot of mid range. It was really tinny sounding and, when we finally got this remaster, I'm like, finally, this is what this thing was supposed to sound like. So if they want to do that with this entire back catalog, I'm not going to complain one second. So, oh, I yeah. Think, as I think the one thing we have to understand about Prince, too, is that he was such a perfectionist that probably all of the music that is in his vault, it's unfinished, but it's probably some of the best music we've never heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I'm with you, Chad. Like, release that. Let's hear that. Yeah. It, it's never going to be good enough for Prince because yeah. he's, that's just him. 
Yeah. And when I, you're such a hard ass on your own work, sometimes you get in the way of releasing some of your best work because you can't see past your like, you know, insecurities. Oh, so, y- y- y'all remember whenever yeah. uh, y'all remember whenever Neil Carlin interviewed him in 85 for that first cover story they did in Rolling Stone. And yeah, and he said, I've got Purple Rain 2 in that vault right now. Yeah, I, it's it's done. Yeah. It's finished. I could put it together and I would play it for you. And you'd be like, yeah. He goes, but I don't want to do that. I, that's not where I am sonically anymore. Mm. He was he was at where he was with Around the World in the Day. And at that, what killed me about the man was that he would do a project, get it recorded. By the time he toured with it, he was already sick of it. He was already yep. tired of that material, and we didn't even know about it yet. By the time he was promoting it, he had already moved on in his head to the next. That's just the way he yeah. operated. Um, and it was it was an amazing again it was an amazing time to be a Prince fan back in the eighties and the early nineties. Um, so as, as far as I'm concerned, if there's that much material from that era still left in there that he felt like, yeah, I can I can release that tomorrow, but I just don't want to because that's not where I am. But it's where we were as fans, so I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anything you anything you've got in that vault that's from that time frame, push it out, and I'll 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 make I will put an IV in my arm, and you can just put it right into my bloodstream, and I'll I'll be perfectly happy. <laughs> oh, awkward silence here. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but maybe I, I I don't think I'm speaking just for myself. I mean, I'm sure that y'all probably feel the same way. I'm assuming um, y'all probably no. feel the same. Yeah, I do. Honestly, that's why I was like, I mean, you kind of dropped the mic there. It was like, yeah, 100%. Good, good, good. Okay. So we are, we are, of, we are of a single mind there. That's, that's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> Well, guys, we we went a lot longer on this than I really thought we would. I'm glad that we did because I know we had a lot to get out of our system. I mean, today was – I wanted this to be kind of cathartic because I know it's just been kind of bottled up in us ever since since he left us five years ago. And it's good to talk – it's good to talk talk this out and and, uh, get our feelings out and out for public consumption if anybody cares to listen to it. I hope they do because I know there are a lot of people that feel the same way we do. Yeah, for sure. Well, Jan- thank you for having me. Oh, on. yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Give us give us a little bit of insight as to what you, you know, what you're doing, what you're working on if you can disclose anything and where we <laughs> where we can where we can follow you and watch you and hear you and just bathe in your greatness. Well, I am always on Twitter, so you can catch me at PBN tweets underscore. Um, I am always on there. And if you are into watching gameplay streams, you can follow me on Twitch at Pretty Brown and Nerdy. And um, I also uh, work at Riot Games. I'm doing game production there currently. Um, and yeah, we have a lot of games. So you can play League of Legends, Team Fight Tactics, Legends of Runeterra. Um, what I'm working on that I can talk about right now is we are about to launch set five of Team Fight Tactics, which is going to be pretty cool. Lots of awesome content. So, yeah, I'm just trudging along, trying to make my way through the games industry. So, <laughs> yeah, your career has been on a really interesting trajectory. I mean, from where you oh, came yeah. from and where you are now. And I was so sorry to see you go, Jazz. I was so sorry to see you leave the area. I know. And I, I, know. I, I know it was a huge, huge leap of faith for you to move from Dallas to L.A., but I'm glad you're Absolutely. settled in. I'm glad that you're 
I'm glad that you're comfortable out there. I've got some friends out there that was on the show a couple of weeks ago, Brett and Bonnie Hart, that live basically in the shadow of the Hollywood sign. Um, oh wow! And he's 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 got a film right now that he's promoting that's you know getting uh, awarded in several film festivals called Coffee with Exes, uh, and uh, I'm hoping that he can make his way here whenever the diff comes back to town in October, and uh, love to have a sit down with him if you can ever make it around town again. Holler at a brother because we sure would like to see you guys again. <laughs> I'm sure I'll be back. Probably not anytime soon, but I will be back for mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> well, well, let let us all know when you're coming. Don't just sneak in and sneak out, okay? <laughs> I will for sure. And Mono, you got anything going on, or you're just just chilling like a villain? Oh uh, man, I'm just I'm chilling. But you know, hey, if anybody want to follow me on Facebook, it's Monolito J Norman, and it's M A N O L I T O. J Norman, uh, Instagram, Mr. M I S T E R dot Norman. Um, really just on there. Uh, I'll do a lot of social activist, uh, content, um, stuff like that, you know, just speaking, trying to speak truth to power. Words of words of wisdom. Uh, I, I love your yeah. stuff, man. Uh, there's, there's not a day that goes by that I don't catch you on in, in my newsfeed and you say something that just knocks me back and just has me peeing myself laughing or wiping tears out of my eyes because it's so deep and thoughtful. And, uh, I appreciate that. dude, I thank the world of you. I love you to death. You're my brother. Uh, I miss you love up there at County, but I, I love the fact that I can always find you in my Facebook feed. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And now I got to take a deep breath. Cause I got a lot. I got to freaking spit out here. Um, <laughs> th- this is still kind of a fledging project. We've, I've only been doing this for like about a month or so. Uh, and I've had the time of my life doing it. Um, we're looking to expand, uh, jazz. I'm still going to be looking to your, uh, uh, to your, uh, wellspring of knowledge once we start doing the live stream stuff. Cause I'm still fumbling my way through that. My Canon rebel, uh, camera keeps giving me fits whenever I try to do live stream. So, mm. uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be, I'll be tapping your brain when it comes to, to getting that all set up, <laughs> but, uh, electric jellyfish podcast.com is going strong. Um, we're about 10 episodes in at this point. We recap, uh, Falcon and the winter soldier every Wednesday. And my wife and I do our little podcast and we do relationship talk and things like that. Um, looking forward to what, uh, you got coming up with uh, a mutual friend of ours. Whenever y'all do, what is it? Y'all are going to go on Scener for the finale. Oh yeah. Let, let me talk about that. Too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we'll be on, we'll be on Scener on Friday night, uh, at eight central, uh, doing a rewatch of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, the final episode, and doing like a deep dive into that and just discussing, you know, predictions, what we think about the future of like the show and Marvel. So, yeah, definitely uh, stop by and watch along with us. It should I, be fun. I have every intention of it. I already replied on James's thread. I'm like, yeah, I want to check this out because it's something that we're thinking about doing at some point on our podcast as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we we got featured on uh, thatnerdshow.com a couple weeks ago. Uh, I think we're going to be there kind of regularly. So uh, you can go to our website, Electric Jellyfish Podcast, or you can go to uh, thatnerdshow.com. And I think he's got like a widget embedded on the site so you can catch the latest episode of the show there. <sighs> okay, here's the tough part. We You can find us on Amazon Music, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Podcast Addict, Radio Public, Spotify, and Stitcher. We are on Facebook at Electric Jellyfish Podcast, you know, facebook.com forward slash Electric Jellyfish Podcast. And uh, we also have a, a group page there for the EJP Nation. 
the Twitter feed is 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 also e- at at EJP Nation, and we're also on Instagram, uh, Electric Jellyfish Podcast on Instagram. Uh, or you can email us at Electric Jellyfish Podcast at gmail.com. We're always open for show suggestions, show ideas. Uh, if if uh, anybody listening wants to be a guest on the show, we'd be happy to have you. Uh, like I said, I'm having the time of my life doing this. I've had the, the a, a blast doing this with you guys. Uh, can't thank you enough. I know it was kind of last minute, but I, and I really appreciate you guys dropping whatever it was you were doing to be a part of this. I, I, I love you both dearly, and uh, we got to do this again together really soon. Oh yeah, yes, for sure. Thank you so much for having me. So y'all, y'all stick around for a few minutes while we fade out, uh, and we'll recap and everything. And uh, um, again. Thank the world of you guys for being a part of this. And uh, thank you guys for listening. We'll be back in your ear again soon. The light was never